What's good, Community Misfit family? We want to welcome to Community Misfits. I am your man, Pastor Brian or Pastor B. We are so glad to have you guys with us, tuning in for another episode of Community Misfits. You want to handle some housekeeping business first. If you want to find us or follow us, we are on Twitter at we underscore the letter R underscore Misfits. You can find us at TikTok, which is community.misfits. You can find us on Instagram, which is community underscore Misfits. Or you can find us on IG, our marketing page, which is crazyface underscore marketing. Family, we are so glad to have you guys with us. We are starting um, a new podcast episode. And so it is entitled um, Dream Killers uh, Part 1. Truth be told, I believe that everyone has something inside of them that is screaming, clawing, scratching to come out. It is something with very powerful Um, life-changing, altering substance in it. It is this thing that allows us to be who we are, um, to walk into the very uh, purpose that we have, and to explore and to find it and to live at our highest, greatest levels. Uh, Some people would call it a calling. Um, Others would call it a ministry or their ministry. Some would call it purpose or their divine purpose. Some would call it destiny. Uh, Whatever it is that you want to call it, it is something inside of you that God has placed in you that will bring you ultimate fulfillment and bring everyone else into a life-changing environment and situation because they have experienced this thing that you may call or others may call purpose, destiny, calling, ministry, a divine purpose, destiny, whatever it is that you want to use and call it, it's there. Um, Nike, Apple, Under Armour, Jay-Z, Taylor Swift, Operation Christmas Child, Fame Church International are all the outcomes of this thing that is tangible that we call their purpose or destiny. They have uh, displayed in some kind of way um, the aspect of a tangible thing that has now been linked to the destiny or the purpose of an artist, a musician, an actor, a business. It's this tangible thing that we see has expressed itself that is now this manifestation, this growth, this tangible uh, thing that we can hold that we call purpose or destiny. We sit back and say, um, we look at someone like a Jeff Bezos who created Amazon. Amazon started off in his garage of his house in 1995. It was just to be a book distribution place, uh, the worldwide place where you could find uh, virtual online audio or books itself. And Jeff Bezos grew that thing from his garage into this billion dollar company that we're all affected by, by his, by his purpose, by him walking out and living out this, this purpose that he has uh, to change the lives and to distribute uh, things all across the world started with him in his garage and became this thing that was tangible that not only has affected him financially in a wealth way has affected him in his future as far as his longevity but it also has affected him in the respect that it affects us what he created what he's living out his purpose his thing has affected um other people whether it was jay-z or whether it is amazon or ford or marvel or toyota or uvision bible app All of those things before they became tangible that you could touch it before you could see the the lights and the and the glam and the music and the the artist or the painter or the athlete or 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 the speaker or the invention or the vehicle of whatever it may be before we could touch it before it became tangible before it became the destiny of that person to create or make that thing it first started off 
as a dream. It was their dream that came from God. God gives us dreams and places in us purpose and destiny. He places in us this power uh, to move forward, this position uh, that he puts in our hearts and our minds that we would begin to grab the dream, live out the dream. And as we live out the dream, we experience the destiny, the purpose, the thing God has for us. That's ultimately not just affecting our lives, but the lives that come in contact with a God-ordained purpose. Um, there are some people who say, well, hey, listen, there are certain people that you named or, or other artists I can think of that, that maybe they're not necessarily, uh, their product is great in one way, but it also negatively affects a, another group or another people, another situation, another circumstance. And what I would say to you is simply this. Um, God gives us the dream of purpose, and that dream is from him and for him. Ultimately, he positions and, and maneuvers us and puts us in position to live out the dream but ultimately, what we do with the dream God gives us is on you and on I. You and me, I should say. Uh, he gives us the dream. He purposes the dream. But ultimately, you and I can use and change that dream or, or, or manipulate that dream or, or move that dream in a direction that fits us, but may not necessarily always fit God. God gives us purpose and dream. We are the ones to, to operate the purpose and dream. He has a purpose for it. But at times we can take that dream for some people and use it and turn it for things that weren't for the intended purpose it was given for. Regardless of that, the bottom line is that God gives us the dream. Before anything becomes tangible, before purpose or destiny or ministry or calling or divine uh, a thing that I'm supposed to do, destiny takes place and becomes tangible, it first starts off as a dream. I want to share with you guys this passage of scripture that I believe kind of brings some more illustration and information to this idea of a dream. When we look at the Bible and the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, starting at chapter 37 all the way through the end of chapter uh, 50, which is the conclusion of the book of Genesis, we see a story of a young teenage boy um, that has a dream. This dream will change his life. This dream will change the lives of others that are connected to him and has the consequences and, 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 and wonderful connectivity to change the process of the group and a race of people and this world through his dream. In chapter 37, we find a young man by the name of Joseph who is 17 years old. Um, he's the youngest of 12 sons. His father, for some reason, loves him the most. He, is, he, he gives him the most affection, the most love, the most care. Uh, he, is, he is highly uh, a big fan of Joseph. In fact, Joseph, the scriptures tell us, is his favorite son. His brothers have an issue with that already, as you could possibly understand. My dad likes somebody more than me, and it's clear and it's evident. It's evident in the fact that dad would give Joseph special gifts that he didn't give the other sons. Um, he just lavished him with additional and extra love. He favored him way more than the other, other sons, scripture tells us. One night, Joseph has a dream, and he comes and he tells his brothers, I've had a dream. My dream is that one day, um, you all... My brothers and, and everyone that's connected to you guys, you guys are going to bow down before me and worship me. Now, can you imagine your little brother, your little sister? Could you imagine a co-worker? Could you imagine somebody coming to you and telling you, I had a dream and my dream is that you're going to bow down to me? Oh, his brothers were hot. They were heated, especially with this culture and day and time where uh, the oldest son 
was was given and had the ability to have all of the things that passed down from the father when he passed away. Uh, the oldest son was given the best of everything, the most of everything, and then those percentages dwindled down to each brother and family that was in that bloodline after that. So he didn't even have, just, just the concept of him saying that he's going to have his brothers bowing down to him when he's the last man on the totem pole didn't make any kind of sense. Uh, they kind of said a few things and, and shooed him off. A few days later, Joseph has a second dream, and it's even more vivid than the first one that expresses this idea that he is going to be in some great authority and his brothers and family will bow down to him. He comes back and he tells his father, Lord, I don't know why he tells his father and his brothers, listen, guys, I had another dream. And the fact of the matter is all of you all are going to bow down to me and worship. Y'all going to see who I am by, by just how great a statue I have. Um, his, even his own father says, hey, son, you're talking crazy because his father knows that the way the, the things work in their society, Joseph's the last on, on, on the food chain. That's crazy talk. His brothers are furious and upset and very angry with him of this dream and having the audacity to tell them that twice and in front of their father. One day, these 11 brothers go out to uh, take care of the animals, the sheep. They're herdsmen, and they take them far away from their, their normal uh, place of pasture. Uh, their father, uh, Jacob, sends Joseph out to go see what's taking the brothers so long. The brothers see Joseph coming from a far distance, and with this jealousy in their heart and their anger in their heart and this frustration about this dream, they decide to plot to kill Joseph and get rid of him. Here's the scripture I want you guys to listen to for just a second, and let's let's hang our hats on what his brothers are saying to him as Joseph is approaching them to check on them in Genesis 37, uh, verse 20. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cysteines. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. That's Genesis 37, 20. I want you to picture the conversation that's having, uh, that's being taking place. Joseph's brothers are seeing him coming along and they are plotting to kill him. Now they're angry with Joseph and they've been frustrated with Joseph. They've been bitter with and about Joseph for quite so many years because their father has, has found him as the favorite and has put his heart and his, his affections on Joseph. But understand at the end of verse 20, it says, um, we're going to throw him, they basically say, we're going to throw him in the cysteine. We're going to um, tell dad that the wild animals uh, ate him. And then they say this, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. It's interesting because they don't say, we'll see what becomes of the dreamer. We'll become, we'll see what becomes of his dreams. People who are not on your side, people who are threatened by you, people who are a grade A dream killers, aren't worried about killing you as much as they're worried about killing the dreams that you have. Uh, man, I feel like I'm in church. Let me slow down. <sighs> these brothers, these dream killers, weren't concerned about killing the dreamer. It says, then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. They want to kill Joseph because he's connected to a dream and they don't like the dream. You and I need to understand, family, this is a very critical point of, of, of our conversation today. You and I need to understand there are people in your life 
that are threatened, scared of, don't like the idea of, are concerned about, or just straight hate the idea that you have a dream. And because you have a dream, they are willing and positioning and purposing themselves to take you out because of your dream. There are dream killers that don't want to kill you. They want to kill the dream. And if the dream is in you or if the dream has been placed on you or if God has given you this special purpose, passion, desire, has given you this gift, this talent, before it becomes tangible, before it becomes a ministry, before it becomes a purpose, before it becomes something that is life-changing and brings you fulfillment and positively affects the lives of other people, they want to kill the dream by trying to kill the dreamer. Martin Luther King says, Black History Month is February, y'all. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. It's a dream that people would, uh, of different races would hold hands and celebrate and be connected and, and share and do life together. And people wanted to kill Dr. Martin Luther King, not because he was Dr. Martin Luther King, but because he had a dream. And his dream threatened or frustrated them. It was too big and too grandiose. It was too amazing, too major. It was too hard to, con to, to, to conceive. It was too much for them to want to embrace. Family, I want to tell you today that God has purposed, that God has placed in you. God desires great things from you. And it's understanding that he's put a dream inside of you. He's getting ready to birth a dream in you. That ultimately it would be tangible, that you would have fulfillment, that you would have peace where other areas have not brought you peace. It would be your thing. It would be the thing that brings you life, excitement, energy, joy, um, um, prosperity, and, and not just like financial prosperity. Prosperity is in you feel like you are significant, significantly growing in major ways. Just prosper, feeling great, feeling good, uh, just, just growing through this dream that will become the purpose and the destiny of what you've been called to do, your your ministry, your life goal, your thing that changes and impacts uh, not just you, but the people around you in the world. And they're dream killers that want to take that out. I want to talk to you guys for a few moments in the time that we have left about these dream killers. I want you to understand there are three types of dream killers. And you need to be aware of them. You need to watch out for them. You need to be cautious about them. Because if they get a hold or get a wind that you have a dream, they might try to take the dream out by taking you out. If Joseph had never told his brothers about the dream, they would have never purposed in their heart to kill him, I believe. The dream was the final straw. They were jealous of Joseph and, and how dad loved him. But they knew he was going to stay in his position. And ultimately, when dad passed away, they would get all the better stuff. But when they realized Joseph had a dream, they realized that stuff would be going greater and better for him. And the idea that he had dad's favor and dad's love and he was going to get the very best stuff just was not going to set well with these brothers. You and I need to be very and extremely cautious of who we share our dreams with. When we share our dreams with the wrong people... They can become dream killers and kill or attempt to kill the dream before it actually becomes tangible and becomes the purpose and the destiny that God has for us. Here are the three types of dream killers I want to share with you. The first kind of dream killer is a logical dream killer. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with logical people. Logical people are very much needed. It's probably the fact and the reason why you and I run 
to logical people because we value how they process and figure out and digest and diagnose and break down and put in logical order and step and presentation to help us understand life. A lot of times we go run to talk to logical people. The problem is we need to first consult God if we should be sharing our dreams with certain people and who we should share them with. Because sometimes logical dream killers, without doing it with any kind of malicious intent um, they will kill your dreams by breaking it down systematically. They'll tell you why it won't work. They'll tell you what you need to have and what you don't have. They'll tell you your personality and why you're not fit out for that position. They'll tell you in spite of all the uh, the dreams that you have at this moment and the potential and the excitement, you ain't never followed through with nothing, so you ain't going to follow through with this one. You're no good for it. You don't have the finances. You don't have the resources. You don't have the education. You don't have the time. This doesn't mean it's a great thing for you right now. The logical people will in logic with well-designed good intentions break down every reason logically why you shouldn't walk into this dream i want to give you an example my mother who i love tremendously we spend um, almost every week together at some point of the week um, we hold conversations on a regular basis several times through the week we dialogue i share my personal information with her we are we are tight and i love her and we've been tight forever since she was my mother but I'll share with you that there was a time about 10 or 12 years of age. I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want to be a sports broadcaster. I want to get in front of people and share my knowledge of sports. And I want to talk to them about sports. And I want them to experience sports. I want them to know I want to be a sports broadcaster. And my dad said to me, son, if you want to be a sports broadcaster, then here's what you've got to do. You've got to go ahead and start looking at every single sport there is and be knowledgeable about every game there is. And that's what I did. I watched basketball. I watched football. I watched hockey. I watched tennis. I watched golf. I even watched cricket. I watched uh, water polo. I watched everything and learned names. I learned positions uh, of, of what those players play in their sport. I learned the rules of their sport. I wanted to be a sports commentator. And one day I told my mom the dream of me being a sports broadcaster, a sports commentator. And my mom said to me, with all sincerity and with all love in her heart and with the best affection she could because she cared for her son. She said, son, you are dyslexic. And the problem with being dyslexic in the field that you want to work in as a sports broadcaster is you have to be able not just to talk, but you got to be able to read while you are talking. You got to read something called a teleprompter. That's where they put all the words on the screen and you don't see it behind the camera because the screen uh, where the words are are, are are behind the camera. But you, people think you're looking at the camera, but you're not looking at the camera. You're looking past them to the words on the screen. And you can't read those words, son, because you are dyslexic. You have a hard time reading words. Things move around on the paper for you. Sure enough, they're going to move around on the computer screen. This is not a good uh, decision. I said, Mom, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to be. She logically explained to me why it wouldn't work. And as I kept talking about wanting to be a sports broadcaster, she didn't want her baby to get hurt. She didn't want her son to go out there and, and to find himself struggling through a passion uh, that he had but didn't have the, the resources or have the ability through learning disability to be able to do the job he wanted to do and so passionate about. So she said to, him, she said to me, she came around a different avenue. She said, listen, 
it's a hard field to become a sports broadcaster. It's a lot of people that want to do it to go to a lot of different schools and son, you're struggling in school right now. We just hoping you can graduate middle school and hopefully high school. And if you get to college, that'd be great. But you need to find a job that doesn't have so much reading in it that's based upon you uh, being successful. And the fact of the matter is being successful in that business and that field is difficult because it's a financial gamble. A lot of people don't make money. A lot of people don't get a real job after being a sports broadcaster. And so she deduced and broke down logically why it wouldn't work for me as a person who is who has a learning disability and why it wouldn't be a great plan for me financially. And ultimately, through that conversation, I decided maybe sports broadcasting wasn't the best direction for me to go. Did my mom do that because she was scared of me? She was scared of my dream? She was scared of the individual and the person I was going to be. No, she didn't do it maliciously. But she was scared that the dream would disappoint her son, that the dream would frustrate her son, that the dream was not something that could be obtainable based upon the disability at the time. And that's not mom's fault. That's mom being logical. That's not mom being an evil, mean person. That's mom logically breaking down why that dream may not be beneficial or the best fit for you. You need to understand that there are logical dream killers that didn't consult and say, maybe God can or maybe God could. They literally just broke down the logistics and the logicalness of the situation and why, why it wouldn't fit you and I. You have to be careful of sharing your dreams with logical folks unless there are logical folks that God has placed in your life for the purpose to give you God-given spiritual direction with his spiritual logic in their hearts and mind. Logical dream killers can kill you and break your dreams down from a logical point of view. Are logical people needed in our lives? Absolutely. Are there logical people that are needed in our lives that we need to share our dreams with? Absolutely. But they need to be the right people at the right time for the right purpose of giving logical guidance and direction that we'll get into at a later time. Be careful of logical dream killers. The second kind of dream killers I want to talk about are haters. Hater dream killers are just what the title says. They are haters. They've been haters all their life. They don't know nothing else to do but to hate. They came out the womb mad that the doctor ain't pulled them out at 9.03 versus 9.15. They wanted to come out a little bit early. They've been haters from birth. If you have people in your life that you keep asking, why can't you be happy for me or why can't you never be happy for anybody else? If you got to ask yourself or say to yourself or say to them, um, you have never had anything nice to say. Those are haters. Haters don't hide themselves. They show who they are. Why would you share your dream with a hater? I shared my dream with you and I can't believe you had anything nice to say to me. You just, all you do is tear me down. You should have never talked to that hater in the first place. Haters been haters all their lives. They came out with, they came out with hater hats on. And so you and I need to understand um, that we can't share our dreams with haters. We know that they're in the middle of our conversations. We know that they, haters seem to have a way of just always being around everybody else. Because that's their job, to hang on and latch on and, and, and to, to suck the life out of everything. So they know how to be in the middle of everything and everybody and all the arenas and all the circles. You can have a group of 12 friends. You can have a group of three friends. There's always a hater in there. They know how to take off their hater hat and put on their helpful hat. And they put on their helpful hat and then slap back on their hater hat. And you be like, man, I thought we was cool. And now you hating on me. Listen, they got a hater hat and a helpful hat. 
But truth be told, they got hater tattooed on them. That's a permanent mark. They ain't never going to stop being a hater. If you're not quite sure who haters are, sometimes haters kind of like to disguise themselves. They like to wear those hats, but they are who they are. They like to switch up, and you don't know. Here's a phrase I want to share with you. Time is the revealer of all things. I'm going to say it again. This was a life-changing phrase when I heard it. Time is a revealer of all things. Give people enough time and they'll show you exactly who they are a hundred times, a hundred times, a hundred times. It's a hundred percent truth to it. Haters will always show themselves who they are. Caring people will all the show that will show themselves who they are. The difference is sometimes these haters got a little combination in them. They got a little help and a little and a little happiness, and they got a little greatness and a little song, a little dance, and they still come out haters. I've been pastoring for a long time. I didn't seen pa- I didn't seen pastors be haters. I didn't shook folks' hands out there. I didn't preach today on their pulpit or at their church, and they thanked me for coming. And hated on me at the same time. Mad I was there. Mad that I spoke so great. Mad because I, I just walked in the door. I done seen people hate on me and hate on other folks just because they're gifted or they're talented or just because you look good. If they hate in the church, they sure enough going to hate on you on the streets. Watch out for and identify these hater dream killers. Their whole purpose is to sit there and to pick apart Uh, your dream their whole purpose is to sit there and to talk negatively and discourage you to a point where you don't want to be involved or invested in your dream anymore they hate on you in such a way that you don't feel great anymore you've been diminished you've been dropped down you've been lowered you've been lessened because of these haters and it's for you and i to identify um, these hater, these hater dream killers, and to watch our conversations around these haters, to 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 hide. Not, I won't say hide. To put away our excitement, to learn how to play things close to the vest, and to be surrounded around the right people that can embrace our dreams and not try to burn them up and discourage us. Watch out for haters. The third person I want to talk about briefly is these assigned dream killers. Assigned dream killers. Hater number one. Logical. Uh, dream killers, um, hater dream killers, and excuse me, uh, assigned dream killers, number three. Assigned dream killers are people that are, I believe, spiritually on a mission, just evil people to desire or have found or have latched on for the purpose of discouraging you. There are people that almost pop out of the woodwork out of nowhere and they say the things that just find the most sensitive moments or spots on you. They find you at at your moment of weakness. Uh, They're the ones that really, they're on assignment to attack the flaw that you think is your greatest flaw. They're on assignment, um, not by God, but but an evil uh, spiritual assignment uh, purposed to attack your ability, your drive, your push, your tenacity. Um, They're there to say a word, just literally a word, a one word, five letters in it, whatever it is, a word, to, to take you off course, to make you second guess yourself. They are assigned, uh, they're, they're assigned to say something. Um, they're assigned sometimes to pop up in your life and to discourage you, to come and present you with all kinds of things to take you off course. I tell the story very often. <clears throat> of a good friend of mine uh, we were we were teenagers both uh seniors in high school in fact he and i had just got into a whole lot of, of mischief and trouble at the teenage level um both young men 18 gone out hung out the night before 
got a couple of our girlfriends and did a couple of things and just we were all kind of wild we were all over the place we were doing all kinds of wild stuff and i believe that god spoke to me later on in that evening and i talked with my good friend and i told uh cory i said cory man me and you need to talk bro i feel like god spoke to me here's an 18 year old young teenager talking to another 18 year old male uh, cory is a uh, uh headed down the path of being an olympic uh boxer has won several amateur fights and is already on the path of greatness and and i told Corey, i said man listen i feel like um you know we really messed up we really uh, i feel like god himself just tore the roof open and spoke to me bro and i i really feel like tomorrow when we go to church man we gotta lock in and we went to church and 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 for some reason church was just amazing and god's spirit moved and we were broken down to tears and we cried and we celebrated God and we celebrated the message and the music and we went downstairs to the basement of the church where everybody else was getting their coats and things and I, I dapped them up and I brought them in close and I said, man, I just want to tell you, I don't know where this is coming from, but but we got to lock in. We can't let anything discourage us, man. And it happened to be that our church, um, our pastor had been invited to go speak at another church the next day on Monday. And so I told him that Sunday in the basement, I said, man, we got to lock in. This has got to be the season. This got to be the time where we got to start living for God, man. We got to go 100%. I got your back, dog. You got my back. The very next day, uh, one of my girlfriends called me and said, I heard you was out with some other girl over the weekend. And I heard you was flirting around with another girl. I need you to come to my house and we need to talk and get this thing squared away. And I told her, as much as I like you and I, I know I want to do right by you moving forward at 18. Like, what's that mean? So I want to do right and, and, and do right with you moving forward. I got to go to this church service. So regardless of, of whatever happens, um, I can't come over to your place and talk to you tonight because I got to go to church. Get to get to church service where my pastor is speaking. And I'm looking around for Corey. I don't see him. I call uh, one of the people who's who's taking care of, of Corey. He's not from this state. He moved into another state. And so I talked to that person who Corey's been living at their house, uh, got him involved in church. I said, where's Corey? And they said, do you know that one of his cousins from Baltimore found out that he was here in, in the Maryland early area? And so uh, the cousin knew he was on this street but didn't know which house. And the cousin knocked on 54 doors, went all the way up down the street, two or three blocks till he found Corey and when Corey answered the door he said man I'm your cousin from Baltimore let's go hang out from that point on Corey and I took two separate two different directions mine started going in a different trajectory I had some stumbles and falls but mine started going in in a different trajectory that was locked in and more homed in on following and seeking after God Corey not as much he ended up losing his opportunities through hanging out with those friends. And as they introduced him to certain activities and, and adventures, um, he lost out on his opportunity to become that Olympic boxer. Uh, his life took a drastic turn in a lot of different ways. Understand that there are people um, who the enemy, who Satan has that are assigned specifically to snatch you from your dreams. You need to sit back and, and process and look at people and say, what is this person's purpose? What is this person's uh, uh, purpose to be in my life? Why are they here? 
What are they doing? When did I start finding myself uh, gravitating away from dream and purpose and perspective? When did I start getting fuzzy about uh, what I felt this great gifting and passion and burden on my heart was? When did I find this separation take place? Sometimes uh, assigned people don't say the things that kill you. They just do the things that kill you slowly. Uh, they cut you uh, nick by nick. They say death by a thousand uh, cuts. They know how to, to slice you up enough to you bleed and, and, and slowly bleed out all of your purpose, your passion, your desire. Who am I been connected to? Who am I with? Who am I in relationship with? Who am I in conversation with that is that is assigned to, to, to drag me from my purpose? In fact, sometimes I have to ask the question, is the assigned dream killer uh, aspects of myself? That's deep. Pastor Brian, uh, is my own thought process, is my own self-doubt, is my own uh, inability to step out and to be bold, um, things that I'm scared or nervous about, are those some things inside of me that are prohibiting me from chasing after and pursuing the dream that God has placed in me that used to be screaming and crying to get out, that now seems to be muffled and barely fighting? Am I my own reason uh, of, 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 of dream suicide? Am I suffocating the very dream that God has placed in me because of the activities, the, the, the lack of, of motivation, uh, the, the scared, the fear, the worry, the concern to step out and walk into the purpose God has for me? Have I let thoughts and have I let actions and attitudes become the assigned dream killer within myself? We have to, if we're going to pursue greatness if we're going to walk in the calling of greatness that god has for us if we're going to experience the purpose the destiny that god has for us we have to identify uh, these dream killers logical dream killers hater dream killers and assigned dream killers we've got to figure these out because what god has called us to do and really what the the title or subtitle of this series for part one is that we're dealing with dream killers that's our overall theme but for this particular uh, part of our of our series here is understanding in this three-part series the first thing we have to do is protect the dream we need to protect the dream by being very cautious with who we share the dream with by being very cautious and being very protective of the dream and who we speak our dreams with because if we share it with the wrong person at the wrong time will end up assisting in the murder of killing our dreams here's four things I want you to pray about family when it comes to protecting the dream here's these four things and I'm leave you all alone for today the first one is uh, pray God gives you the dream and that you're ready to handle the dream let me say that again pray that God gives you the dream and that you're ready to handle the dream a lot of us are praying for the dream. A lot of us have the dream and we're ready. We're trying to get out there and make it happen. We're frustrated because it's not happening. It might be because it's not that God hasn't given you the dream. It's that you're not ready to handle the dream. And so my prayer should be, Father, uh, give me the dream. Or if, Father, you have given me the dream, let me be ready to handle it. Develop me, shape me, mold me. Let me let me take out some of these haters that are all around me. Let me remove myself from certain friend circles so that I can experience life without haters. Let me identify these assigned haters, these spiritual attacks that are coming to me. Let me let me. Uh, I love my I love my girlfriend, but man, sometimes she can just really tear me down. 
I might be an assigned hater. She may be fine, pretty, uh, beautiful, uh, voluptuous, uh, all the other bees you want to use, good, positive bees you want to use. But she's tearing you down, dog. You might need to let her go. There may be some people on the job that you have you've started doing lunch with and hanging out with. But there's just a hater. It's got some hater in them. And that's that's crushing the conversation and discouraging you as a person. I got to find out and identify who those people are. Father, show me what my dream is. Father, show me uh, if, if you've given me the dream. Uh, let me know that I'm able to handle it, that I can start walking in the dream. And I can't walk in it unless I let some people and some things go that I'm in the proper position. Second thing that we need to pray for is pray for the right people to be placed in your lives to help you accomplish the dream we're going to talk about that uh, next week but pray for the right people to be placed in our lives to help us accomplish the dream i need to identify the dream killers and then i need to find the people they're going to help allow me to walk in my purpose and my destiny and my calling i need the right people placed around me father would you place those people around me the third prayer we want to have is we need to pray that god shows you the areas you need to avoid and the people you need to remove from your life to protect his dream we need to pray i'll say it again that god shows us the the areas and the people and the places we need to remove so that we may protect god's dream i need you father to show me where i need to go and where i don't need to go I need you to help me avoid walking in certain circles or hanging out with certain people. I need you to help me to avoid going to certain places that I would ultimately protect your dream. Let's get into point number four of that protect his dream piece. Point number four, prayer number four. Pray that God reminds you this is God's dream. This is God's dream, not your dream. It's God's dream that he gave to you. That he's going to use you to produce this purpose and this destiny in you that would bring you the fulfillment and connectivity with him that is going to change and be a powerful thing in the lives of others. This is not your dream. It's God's dream that he gave to you. So our position should be because God has entrusted or has given me this dream, I'm going to protect it because it's God's dream. And because it's God's dream, I am so involved and so committed to the protecting of his dream that he's going to use through me that I take care of this thing with a reverence, with a, with a special excitement, because I know this dream that's going to allow major, major things to happen is going to also bless me to be fulfilled, but also going to change the lives of others. It's critical that I protect it, that I keep it close to the vest, that I watch over it, that I, that I put my hands around it and I protect it. Because this is valuable and precious to me. Praying these four prayers consistently and asking God to give you wisdom, starting to evaluate your friend groups, your circles, the people you hang out with, looking for those logical dream killers. It's not that we shouldn't be friends or have conversation with logical people. I just need to know uh, that there are certain things you can't get past logically to understand how God could do something supernaturally because you're not in the posture and position. You operate in the land of logic or in logic in this particular topic. Haters, 
I need to remove myself from haters as much as possible and assign dream killers. I need to look out for them especially because they can affect my spirit, my mind, my soul, and the individual that I am to move forward. And sometimes that assigned dream killer can be in me. Father, I need you to reveal to me to move aside, to avoid anger, depression, frustration, hatred, bitterness, um, sadness, what my past was that says I can't be who I could be because my past and my history has always been that. The family tree always says we've done things and been that kind of person. Father, I need you to help me avoid those things that I can walk in the power, walk in the life, walk in the, the, the purpose that you have placed in my heart that I may live out your dream, that I may be the successful person that brings glory and honor to you because I have protected your dream and you have postured me in a position to handle it and be ready to live it out. Community Misfit family, we got two more parts to this series, but I hope we're starting to set uh, the groundwork. We're setting the tone for us to understand that there are greater things to come. There's great things he's placed in you and we want to position and purpose ourselves away from the dream killer so that we can live the dream and that we can experience the benefits of the dream and that others will be blessed by the dream that God has entrusted you and is purposing for you to walk in. We hope that we can continue to, to draw you closer here at Community Misfits to grow you to be the great uh, men and women that God has intended for you to be. We love your family and we'll see you guys very soon. Let's go.